The following is a Bunkazilla original production. We are monsters of culture. And that's why we know Naruto is thematically based on the Communist Manifesto rather than what everyone else thinks, the journey to the West. Huh. Huh. Uh, Man, I hate to interrupt your fascinating discussion, but we are currently live. Hello and welcome to the Big Stomp Live! Welcome to the Big Stomp, the Bunkerzilla radio show that roars at the latest stories and discussions in geek culture today. So, what are we waiting for? Let's start stomping. Yes, it's 8pm on Thursday, the... Uh, what day is it? <laughs> <laughs> on the 26th of, Jan- of March, and this is the Big Stomp Live on Punkzilla. <laughs> I am the Raggedy Man, Sword Cell and Gentleman Vagabond on the Pop Culture Highway, and joining me tonight to storm their way through ma- three major geeks' culture stories of the month, we have three amazing members of the Punkzilla team, and they are... Lizzie, hello! I am the rambling redhead on uh, Bunkazilla. Uh, please excuse the voice, and if I happen to have a coughing fit, I don't have what everyone thinks they have. And joining her, we have... Hi, I'm Jenna, uh, or Nadesco Kitty, and I am a co-host of Real History on and the Bunkazilla Network. Finishing this month's trio, we have... Hello, it's me, it's Ian Bolton. I am station manager and founder of Bunkerzilla UK and also the hosts of things such as Trivial Titans and the Bunkerzilla Film Raw. Yay! And joining our wonderful Bunker Bullies through the marvels of modern technology, we have the Peanut Gallery on our wonderful Discord channel, hashtag the hyphen bunker. And tonight, so far, we have... Anwin Moonshine, we have Molly, we have uh, Party Pirate, we have Reese, we have Sarah Strange, we have Shedder UK, and we have the Cross-Eyed Gamer. So, uh, okay, and they're going to be listening in, hopefully throwing in comments as we go along. So, with no further ado, we have our first story, and that one this month is coming from Lizzie. Hi! Yay! Hi, Lizzie! Hello, Lizzie! Hi, Jenna! Hi, Ian! So, hello! You already, you hello. already said that 20 minutes ago when we came online. Hit the story, hit the story. Yes, Mum. <laughs> so, then tidy Pe- your room. Anyway. <laughs> hi, Peanut Gallery! So, um, my little story that we're going to talk about is, <clears throat> funnily enough, coronavirus-related. Uh, and it's basically... What? Yeah, it's, it's the thing you might have heard about it. It's been in the news a lot. You know, it means we ever, the normies all have to stay inside as well as we do. So, you know. I think this is going to be a recurring theme. Yeah, I know. So basically, um, this has affected a lot of us in the way that uh, there's a lot of conventions and shows that have either been cancelled outright or postponed to later in the year. And I'm sort of talking, looking at this from a way to how it affects like the nerd culture because we can't get our nerd on like in public as usual and also you know there are people who actually make their living from these shows what has that meant for them so yeah mm. so yeah <laughs> coronavirus it's a thing it's happening uh so i was looking for a list of all the shows and things that have basically been postponed and cancelled it's a lot bigger than I thought um, so E3 itself which is a major video game 
show has been cancelled outright. There's a Minecraft fence festival has been cancelled. TwitchCon Amsterdam's been cancelled. Uh, a lot of the like WonderCon, CostumeCon have been either postponed or cancelled. MCM Ex- Expo Comic Con Birmingham has been postponed. London. So, London has been postponed as well. Uh, they keep adding because you know everyone's like, oh yeah, it'll be gone in a week. Um, but it's not, and then it's like, oh, wait, we've got to do social distancing, and this is an event that has maybe 10,000 people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> basically, everything pretty much up and down the country until about June is off. And June is looking suspect. Uh, essentially, in, in the short space of time, the, the whole convention calendar has completely changed top to bottom to be honest and mm. it's unfortunately it is unescapable this the situation we are in at the moment and um it is it is sad to see events having to cancel it it's sad to see events sort of having to postpone as well but it's it's kind of all the best in, in the uh, interest of safety i suppose it is however awesome to see the reaction of the overwhelming bulk of the community who are totally cool with it yeah. yes, yes there are a couple of dickheads well yeah there's always like a... there's always a couple of dickheads it's the but there has, there has just been so many people going yes we understand that this includes people who they're like okay this is the one shot i get um to see this star i really want to see and then they're just going yeah but i don't want me or them to die so shit happens so well yeah i mean obviously with the mcm london uh delay uh that means the new the currently provisional new date for july uh critical role aren't, aren't able to attend now so people who have been really excited to see critical role unfortunately now won't be able to see them in july um but hopefully they're, they've been quite good at trying to get critical role back quite quickly because they were a big success when they came back uh, came in up in october mcm expo not the one just gone but the one previous but I mean, the, the other problem is you say they've they've moved it to a provisional date in July, yeah. which actually clashes with Hyper Japan. It clashed. 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 Oh, does Hyper Japan now changed? Hyper Japan called off. Ah, sensible. That's sorry, that I'm... happened a couple of days after MCM announced. Yeah. So whether that's, it's one of those where it's difficult to tell if it was because of. COVID-19 or whether it was because of them suddenly being up against MCM. Mm. But I know or, that the, the new dates for Birmingham also clashed, clash, clash or clashed with SunnyCon, was it? Yes. yes. So, um, yeah. al- although as Reese in the Peanut Gallery points out, uh, London I can imagine being cancelled in the end due to becoming a field hospital. Mm. Um, yes, so definitely uh, Excel's going to be slightly busy being a gigantic hospital, which is frankly a phenomenal piece of mm. project management and an absolute we can get through this shit statement. Um, but also, even ones that have moved, it's looking ropey. Anyway, you were saying, but I mean, it's not just the big big shows that we're talking about. Like, mm. you know, there's there's shows that are happening in August that are already talking about we may have to cancel. You know, there's the smaller conventions. I mean, is SunnyCon counted as a small convention still? I don't know. It's not. I, I wouldn't say it's for me personally. I wouldn't say it's a small convention because it's a couple of days. It's a. It's it's in the four. It's not huge, 
but yeah. it, it's a solid regional event. Yeah, but it's like you've you got you've got like the MCM shows, then you've got SunnyCon in the middle, and then you've got the smaller like um, I know Minami's already happened and things like that because mm. uh, there was the um, infamous uh, what what was it live from the bar. <laughs> <laughs> That was not me. Almost passing out was not COVID nineteen. <laughs> no, but it's just Andrew was giving me a death glare. The peanut gallery. You couldn't see it, but it was glorious. <laughs> okay, true confession. The reason I ducked out halfway through the uh, view from the bar at this year's Manami was because I was doing the event basically dry. By which I mean not drinking beer for varying reasons that are dull and dull and boring on my own. Unfortunately, that meant I forgot to drink enough at all. Uh, so, combined with me trying to, <laughs> combined with me trying to keep myself going by then eating essentially a plate of hot salt, or the food from the bar, uh, yeah, Ian suddenly just looked at me and went, "Oh, that's why he's leaving." As I departed. Yeah. So away from that <laughs> little incident, you didn't, you didn't really tell me that until. After you vanished, <laughs> it was just kind of I have to go now. All right, and then it was yeah. like, it was, then it's like Poochie in um in the Simpsons, just like. <laughs> anyway, away from my own personal story, yeah. But the one thing I would like to say with all these events cancelling, it's not just a case of them postponing. With people like um the uh, critical role in that, there's a lot of guests that these people may not be getting them back there's there's the good chance that some of these events aren't going uh, the scheduling of that event isn't going to happen again because they're not going to be able to get the guests in they're not going to be able to get the people there to do it just purely because of people's schedules next year so that that's something people have to keep Mm. in their mind um from my point of view, as someone that used to be a dealer liaison for a medium-sized convention, my biggest concern is for the traders and the artists and everyone that comes to a convention and sells you their shit. And the amazing thing that I have seen is that people have been making uh, virtual dealer rooms, which uh, means that as you're not going to be spending your money on your travel anymore you can go support some artists and buy some stuff from them or see where their patreon is and support them that way yeah i think it's really cool yeah i mean that is really cool but that only really works if say it's an artist that you were already sort of semi-following mm. yeah, like that's true. there's a cut there's a couple that i follow on facebook because i'm actually friends with them from conventions and i'm like oh they're doing a virtual artist alley so i went and had a look and i was like oh okay that's cool so i can throw some money at them that way and then i was like it didn't i wasn't <laughs> I did scroll down and look at the other ones, but it was like, I don't know them. I don't know like their art or anything. So I didn't really browse, if that makes sense, which mm. is my concern that like you have people whose literal livelihood is an artist alley. And then that the way they get people is obviously, you know, they have the big shiny display of all the pretty art and everything. And that's mm. how they drag you in. And you just can't do that on the internet. Passing traffic from disinterested people people who are interested in uh, i'll use bad terms here people who are interested in the arts and crafts stuff 
who who are in the following creators scene will see this stuff and they will go for it. A lot of average punters won't look at it. And and yeah. I with the stalls I've been involved in, one in three, if they're really good, are from people that actually give a hoot. The rest of people who've never seen it before will never see it again and literally go, that's nice and buy it there and then. Mm. And even if you got the same people and ran the same stuff past them, if they're not at the event, you are not going to get the sales because people just aren't going to have that hype going. It, yeah. it, it sounds cruel, but one of the reasons people sell at events is because a lot of people turn up determined to buy something and they're looking to purchase X quid worth of entertainment and they will buy that entertainment. If they're sitting at home, they aren't, they aren't fueled up on pocky exhaustion and sweat and they're not going to be throwing the money around as freely. Mm. Um, no, I was, I was actually going to chip in and say, yeah, that's you're, you've hit the nail on the head there really, because I think for, for some artists and some from dealers and for traders, having that extra footfall of people coming through who are not familiar with, not familiar with their content, for example, um, that's an extra opportunity to engage with, new customers, new potential followers, new fans. And if you're not having that at an event because the event is not running, that makes the, the scope of bringing in income incredibly difficult. I mean, that, that, that there's also, and I'm ref not going to put names on stuff here, there are a number of people who, yes, they do make a, a, either their living or a sizable chunk of their living from conventions, but they might not necessarily be able to get the... Um, the money that's just been announced from the government mm. because they yeah. may not necessarily be doing everything above board and I'm not going to judge and I'm not going to point fingers, but there's a number of people doing the artist stuff who just ain't going to get the chunk of their income covered because they've had to, for whatever reason, for whatever want, rightly or wrongly, they're not on the books. Mm. Plus, yeah. I mean, as you say, it's the self, the, the issue for the self-employed in this, in, in the sort of coronavirus is huge, but also as Ian was saying, and everyone was saying the pester power as well, like conventions, like yeah. you've got a kid, you've got a kid who's dragged his parents to whatever show it is. And he sees that, Oh, there's a Pokemon or, Oh, there's a thing on that stall that I'd like, mum, mum, buy me the thing, buy me the thing. And the mum just goes, yeah, it's tenner. Fudge it. Yeah. You can have it. And it's like, you know, that's my worry for the like a lot of the small traders that we're not going to see them back at conventions after this because they won't be able to. I, I, I think it's going... We don't know what the, what the economics of the situation are going to pan out to. It's, it's difficult to project that far ahead. Um, but... I... I mean, the, the thing is, like, the, the table costs at these shows are huge. Do they get that back? Depends on the canceled? show. Depends on the show. A lot of the big shows are doing are doing that, but it's very show by show. Always contact the traders. Um, just, just quickly, just get an idea of the costs. I mean, you know, I know you are you have attended MCMs as uh, as an artist and as a dealer, Andrew. What is roughly an estimated cost of what it would? Hey, how much would it cost to do a London show like MCM, for example? Um, depending on how you do it, mm. uh, for me, I'm looking at about because I share mm. uh, accommodation. I'm looking at 
500, 400, 500, I need to basically be pulling. Uh, I break even if I pull 150 a day, and that's before materials. Okay. Well, well, 100 a day before materials. The thing is, is that it's not the show. It's also the accommodation you've booked. Mm -hmm. It's the getting the materials in on time, and it's booking the show. So that there's a lot of, and also if you if you, I mean, some people purchase train tickets, so they still gonna be yeah. replaceable because you know people are buying transport well in advance so they get good breaks there, there is a lot behind the show that now even if they get all the money back when will they get the money back mm. and they had that money especially with the more professional people because i do mine as an art project they do it to make more money so even if they get like the, if it cost them 500 quid they get the 500 quid back great but what they actually needed was the 800 you know the, the the 500 and then the 300 profit they made each day yeah okay yeah that makes sense yeah so the, the, this is my concern i mean obviously the concern at the moment is you know everyone's health and well-being and you know staying safe as a people and i mean let's be honest we've been all been practicing social distancing since the year dot we're taking that as we're, we're taking that as a granted in this conversation this, this is about the future not about yeah. the present but the concern is that for me anyway is a lot of these events the fun of it for me is the dealer's room the artist alley you know yeah. the new it, you know mileage may vary from person to person and my concern is that those small little independent niche traders like i mean i'm i'm quite into the bjd community and usually at most shows there's one person that does bjd stuff maybe two like as a sole thing like some of them will have other stuff and my concern is that those little independent traders who maybe don't have any other source of income beyond you know a regular nine to five boring job and this is the only way they can do their art if they don't have the money from these shows can they still afford to do the thing that they love rather than it, the thing that they need to do that's a very difficult question because their finances are going to be very different things um it they could be fine they could be um screwed up i mean that that's such a broad question um mm. so some people will be able to just put everything on hold because they're doing it as an additional so they just go right i've got no more costs going out because i'm not going to events other people might have to look for other employment I, I, it, I so many different factors it's very very hard to tell where it's going to go i think if we try to be as pragmatic as possible i don't think conventions Assuming the convention itself could survive having to cancel and all the costs involved with that, I don't think most conventions themselves are going to have trouble any more or less trouble with trader getting traders in, because I think there's always been that oversubscription demand. Mm. Um, I think we may see some traders having to pack it in, but I think events will still have traders because new people will have the opportunity and the opening to give it a shot. I think also to a point, I think considering how much economically it impacts uh, traders, artists, and dealers, they may be very conscious and very aware of which events they're prepared to now go to. Because for some, for some, they might be able to go to all of them right now, but because they've lost money, unfortunately, through coronavirus, they're now kind of going, well, I can only do this event now. I can't do any other events. Until we also don't know how much spare cash people have on the other side. True. But yeah. I... I... <sighs> 
depends how long it runs. I'm more worried about the events than the traders, though, mm. because you can run a trade online. You can't run an event online. No. So. That's true. Yeah. Wow, that was a pisser <laughs> in the starting conversation. <laughs> that, was a, that was a bummer of a conversation. No, Reese, we're not going to forget transport. We haven't we haven't done that. And uh, yeah, <laughs> Reese also offered the wonderful comment of "Well done, uh, oops," which might have been aimed at my sobriety. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Uh, and Mark L points out might be the case for Overwatch League's homestead stand in Birmingham. London game has been cancelled. Yes. Yeah, a lot of, of stuff. A lot of the esport events have been cancelled, which kind of, I suppose, for a minute I was like, why are they cancelling it? Can't they just play it online? And then I was like, oh, wait, no, they have to be there somewhere yeah. to make sure they're not cheating. And I'm like, <laughs> anyway, how far are we off the ad break, sir? Uh, we're about eight minutes away from the ad break. Yeah. Oh. What, the one at 20, uh, 2028? Yes. Oh, you mean the one yeah. at 3028? What? What? <laughs> <Andrew, laughs> Right, anyway. I mean, I we should be moving on, I guess. Anyway, moving on from that topic, Ian! Hello! Yes, yeah, so obviously COVID-19 has impacted conventions. Um, it's also obviously heavily impacted a, all sorts of legend industries, especially in particular film and cinema, because it's very hard for me and my fellow co-host Christian R. Allen to do a film podcast when all the cinemas have sadly uh, been shut because of the virus. Um, so yeah, cinemas have been very heavily impacted by this. Um, and a lot, uh, a lot of studios are trying to kind of find ways to keep uh, a revenue coming in for films that were at cinemas. So Universal Studios, for example, have already released uh, Invisible Man, Emma and the Hunt on digital rental. Uh, I know Disney have done a few things as well for the US version mm-hmm. of Disney Plus, not necessarily the UK version just yet. Um, and yeah, it's in America onwards been um, released and Frozen Two. Yeah, so. but I think Frozen Two is now coming in July for for UK or Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think the interesting thing is it's it's forced cinemas to well it's forced the studios to kind of deal with a, a different style of releasing, and I think it's quite interesting to see the home. Uh, the home release of recent films quite interesting because it's kind of testing the waters for something that could change how we actually go and view films. I mean, basically, a lot of people uh, people have always kind of wondered why can't they just release the film on on online the same time as they release it in the cinema? Um, Piracy. There is that. There's also <laughs> theatrical windows which they agree with cinema, so they promise not to release said film at other places, so people actually do come to the cinema. But obviously, if there's no cinemas, how do the studios get the money back? How do the studios make the money back for the budgets that they've spent on these films? So when you look at things like Universal Films being sort of like 15, 16 pounds to rent at this time, you may kind of balk at that price, but it's kind of, well, they, they have to have they have to have some way of getting the money back. And I know we've had a conversation on the Stomping Grounds Facebook group, Andrew, about different types of films that we would want to see at the cinema. I mean... I really want to see No Time to Die at the cinema, but I can't. But if it was available mm. online, I might be inclined to buy it or rent it if I felt the price was right. Or, alternatively, if I felt the price was enough to make sure I would get another James Bond film down, down the line. It's the same with for yourself in June. So it's it's kind of a very interesting path that the studios have taken. Whether or not it remains in place once everything's blown over, who knows? But that's that's what I'm putting out there. 
So you're telling me it costs the same to rent it online as it would to go to the cinema? Because let's be honest, most cinemas tickets are about sixteen ninety nine these days. Um, it, depend, well, it depends where you're going. Well, my, yeah, but okay, my... if, you co- if you factor in the cost of your ticket, parking, travel, and probably snacks. Okay, um, that's probably that is probably correct to a point. I mean, if I'm using my local as an example, uh, VN Reading, the tickets are always four ninety nine. Uh, there's a little bit of surcharge there if you go for VIP or three D films. Um, so four ninety nine. So roughly that's about free free ish tickets in a way. Um, so yeah. Okay, it, cinem- yeah. Cinema pricing is not the same across the country. Oh, God, no. Ch- I'm thinking about moving to Reading. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it's definitely high in London. Is... I know that for certain. Um, my local one is about £9 per person and something like £7 for Evie. So it means that a family trip out to the cinema is very expensive. Mm. I, I, I would suggest that if we were to average it out... The amount they're charging is about two people's tickets, roughly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the the uh, the majority of people go with someone else. Mm. Yeah. That's that's statistically proven. Um, so they're basically asking for about the roughly speaking, about the same as they would get from the cinema. Mm. Ish. So I mean, I mean, I mean, it sort of asks the question to each of each of you, I guess, is kind of if a film was if a film that you really, really wanted to see and support was made available at home digitally, would you go for that or would you opt for the cinema experience? Well, as I said to you at the time, I could totally un- I could see it working. And I, I could understand why they're doing it. And it makes great sense for other people, but I'd still go to the cinema for the film I want to watch. Yeah. So. I mean, it does make cinema more accessible to people who say can't go to the cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there are people who can't actually sit through a two hour film without mm. a bathroom break. And you kind of don't want to go to the bathroom in the middle of a film where you've paid however much for a ticket. Yeah. Mm. You know, where at least I suppose if you're watching it digitally at home, you can sort of go pause. So there is that aspect of it, I suppose, but I still balk at the price slightly. I think that the 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 price when you factor in other things isn't too bad, broadly speaking. Mm. I mean, I yeah. Oh, sorry. Um. I think also for families, it makes a lot of sense because it means that you don't have to worry about your kids as much because there is always that slight concern that when I take Evie to the cinema, is she going to be good? Is she going to sit down? Is she going to enjoy the film? But at the same time, it does make it a treat. So, Yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, Speaking of tricky, we're now going to split this conversation in half and we're going to be back right after these messages roar and follow us monsters of culture on facebook and twitter with bunkazilla uk have you ever pondered about what makes a board game why are they so much fun bez has listen to board games with bez only on bunkazilla 
Tune in to The Big Stomp, roaring at the latest stories and discussions in geek culture today, only on Bunkerzilla. And don't forget, Bunkerzilla is available in a variety of flavors, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and original podcast and website. Bunkerzilla, Bunkerzilla for you! Anyway, as we were saying, what? Ian, I think you broke ah. your mic at that bit of trying to make it like a body, a body advert for Funkazilla. It's an interesting way of taking branding. <laughs> but yes, we. Well, everyone has died <laughs> of laughter. Uh, anyway, um, anyway, we do have comments from the peanut gallery from uh, from our current discussion. Uh, so, Crosseyed Gamer, uh, hello, Crosseyed Gamer. Uh, she mentions it depends if I can keep digital copy or if it's a one-time payment. Uh, in the situation for the the rental copies at the moment, you won't be able to keep them at, at this time. Um, I uh, think some uh, uh, alleged, allegedly people uh, have already found out ways to keep them. Uh, of course, they have, um, <laughs> but. Some some film studios have already just gone ahead and said, if you just want to buy it outright, here you go. I think they've done that with Onward uh, in America. It's probably going to happen in the UK very shortly. I know Vin Diesel's new film, Bloodshot, is getting that from tomorrow. And on the end of the month, you can also buy uh, Sonic the Hedgehog as well. So Sonic the Hedgehog is going to go straight to digital to own. See, I think if I can some... keep it for £16, great. Otherwise, pfft. I think a lot of this is coming through. uh bunkerzilla tastes like geek and sugar okay uh i think a lot of it at the moment is because people are scrambling the 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 uh sudden shutdown of everything is why yeah. i mean onward we had our first zero income box office weekend and they're crapping themselves onward has been a disaster for no fault of its own yeah. It's a really um, good film. I went yeah. to see it and I reviewed it for the website. Yes. And, uh, we went to it on the 29th, which was a preview day because it was Evie's birthday the next day. So it was a treat for her. Yeah. And we all really enjoyed it. And we've been giving it positive word of mouth to all our friends, all our parent friends. But because of this the coronavirus, no one wants to go out to see it. And obviously now the cinemas are closed. Yeah. But as I say, I, th- I think at the moment, a lot of people are giving the stuff away free because they're scrambling, not because they have a real solid plan. Mm. I think in the long run, I will be amazed if you get the if you get to keep a copy of the cinema quality stream. Um, also, in, in terms of how this all unfolds, you, you never know. For example, you know, cinema, big cinema tentpole releases like a big Disney, big Marvel, something like that, they would take out like, six seven screens at your little local multiplex maybe over half of them now say for example this sort of method of home video releasing works for example the cinemas and the, and the studios will be a little bit more kind of possibly might be a bit more cautious of how many screens they go for because if they decide to get the film out to like eight screens and they've discovered the core group they've all just down they will just go and watch it digitally then they're just going well why are we sending it to the cinema and giving them money that way we'd rather keep the film on digital and have a higher cut of the ticket that's that's a possibility but then that I, means I, a new film that means independent film might have a bit more of a better chance of getting some screens 
Yeah, um, uh, as Cross-Eyed Gamer just pointed out, uh, with the cinema, you're paying for experience, giant yeah. screen, mega speakers. Mm. I don't necessarily agree with the giant screen mega speakers because home setup can be pretty sweet these days. But I 100% agree with you, Cross-Eyed Gamer, on the um, experience. Also, one of the reasons cinemas sell, t- sell tickets is because sometimes you just go, sod it, I want to go to the cinema. Mm. You don't even know what you want to see. They, they do get a reasonable amount of passing traffic. Mm. Um one thing I would like to say is what well, you're talking about, you know, how many screens and that. Once this is over, there is going to be an absolute bitch fight over screens because mm. we're going to be looking at three or four months of backlog. We're, uh, I am ignoring the major hitters that are being bumped back by a year, which is going to be hell for next year's release schedule. But I am just on a straightforward you know the the b the 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 also runs the 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 meat and potatoes steady non headline stuff yeah. that's going to be fighting for screen space because you're going to have so many movies that missed their release yeah i mean maybe 6 months worth of movies trying to get redone that's a hell of a compression space that is going to get brutal yeah uh, speaking about like paying for the cinema experience for me the cinema experience is a uh, bunch of kids talking in the front row, somebody yakking behind you, somebody next to you on their <laughs> phone, and just overpriced stale popcorn and, you know, sticky sticky floors. So, like, I can see this kind of killing the cinema industry. If that, I... Maybe not killing it entirely, but I can certainly see it, you know, giving it a good old try. Because let's be honest, most of us would rather be at home in our pyjamas on our own sofa watching films. Mm. I mean, no. maybe that's just, that's no. mercy. That Maybe that's, I, I must be the outlier then. I would suggest there's a reasonable chunk that would go for it. But I still think there's a lot of people that like the the specific other stateness. It. It, it's part of it is going and giving your is being a special occasion is giving your attention to it and i think that's always going to stay anyway i'm going to point to ian um just quickly coming in on things for elements of the cinema experience um in terms of things like the food and drink pricing um this is coming from some uh, and i i've had i've had i've worked in cinema for about 10 of what years um the 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 horrible the horrible truth of why things are like ten twelve pounds is because studios have had a very tight death grip on cinema when it comes to a film ticket price. Um, yeah. Usually, big big film releases will command a high percentage. So, um, I think the best example I can give you was when Skyfall came out um, a couple of a couple of years ago um, at the cinema I used to work for at the time. They were demanding ninety percent of the cinema ticket on the opening four weeks so basically if you have tickets to 10 pounds nine pounds of that is going to sony mgm because they see they know people are going to come see the film so they have they have full control of certain saying well we want it in all your screens but we're going to take this amount of money from your tickets as well and it becomes and every monday for cinemas it becomes like a mini wall street buy sell screen side of things because studios want x amount of screens x amount of performances and cinemas are going, well, hang on a minute, we want to do X amount of screens and X amount of performances. So it becomes a, a big negotiation side of things. But um, so, yeah, so if studios aren't putting in for that, maybe that might change. Cinema is going to have to change how it prices. Maybe it might have to change how it does business. It's 
yeah, it's it can throw a wrench. It could potentially throw a wrench into the cinema. I think when the bitch fight over the number of screen comes in, that could give cinemas another bit of hand anyway. Yeah. I think also, going back to the experience part of it, if I was to say to my mum that I want to watch a film on my TV, she would not babysit for me. (laughs) Um, If I'm saying I would like to go out on a date with my husband and go to the cinema, that's when I get the babysitter. And you also get to go for a meal and that's a big part of it and for me and Jack those are our date nights just <laughs> cinema we are introverted that's that's what we like to do so yeah you know what you could do you could build your very own cinema in the garden and say we're going to be in our own private cinema for the next two hours here is the daughter we will be back soon love you you do not know my parents <laughs> Ian lives in a happy little <laughs> I mean, my, my my other thought is just do what they did to, to Harry Potter and stick her under the stairs. <laughs> no, that's just cruel. I mean, there's a reason I don't have children. <laughs> uh, Bunkerzilla does not in any way ad- advise doing anything that results in child services having an interest in you. No, not anyway, to be honest, you give them a light and some toys. Anyway, away from this. So far, you can actually get her in there. Okay, and meanwhile, at the peanut gallery, uh, we've got uh, Caldea. Uh, cinemas will still be around, but I suspect there'll be fewer of them. A fair guess. They are already a little bit curious. Uh, the cross eyed gamer depends on the film. Ones that have the special effects and big sound that cinema does well. Yes. Quieter, more talky films. Happier home. Have to agree. That's how I. Mm. I do a lot of my home viewing versus cinema viewing. Mark L, I like both. Sometimes I just want to have that movie experience. Other times I like purchasing a rental and choosing when it's best for me to watch it. The form, the former is usually with friends, so you have the cinematic social experience. And Reese says cinema desperately needs some sort of leverage. Good, good loophole. It does. So there we go. Meanwhile, moving on slowly That's to Jenna. Oh god, is it Gem- me? Yes. <gasps> it's you. Did you just say Gemma again? No, I'm he did right. he did get he did get it right this time, okay. I promise. Okay. Don't beat me up. Did we, did we not invest in name badges? <laughs> my name is Colonel. I'll get it right. <laughs> anyway, mine is not a hundred percent related to the coronavirus. Yay! A bit <gasps> of fun and lightheartedness now. Yes, I, quit. It, it, I mean it, it, it's incredibly useful for the time it's been launched. Uh, that's Disney Plus has finally come to the UK. Hooray! Yay! Yay! <laughs> 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 that's a birthday present. Yay! Yay! <laughs> but for me, meh. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm the same. It's like, oh, look, Disney want more of my money. <laughs> no. Anyway, you're being all bright and clear again. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> As most people might know, I'm a little bit of a Disney fan. Really? <laughs> no. <laughs> the fact that I did my dissertation on the, the 1964 World's Fair and how it fought, affected the Walt Disney Parks. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I've been very excited to this. Um, I own all of the animated films and all the MCU and all the Star Wars already, but... Having it there to stream now is so much better. And one of the things that I found to my surprise 
is they put all the extras actually on there, so you can yes. get the director's commentaries and stuff. Oh I'm wow! Like... So so you're effectively renting the DVD service rather than just the movie service. Yeah. Okay, that is pretty spanky. Didn't know that. And they've got some amazing documentaries um, on their franchises as well, which is awesome. Uh, one of the things I actually watched today was uh, the Imagineering story, which covered the first episode covers from when Disney first came up with the uh, idea of Disneyland right through to his death, which is the big chunk that I happen to know because of my dissertation. But at the same time, it's, I was like, why wasn't this around last year <laughs> for me to watch? Um, there are stuff about the Marvel Universe and how that was created, and that's 45-minute documentaries. Uh, they've got some all of their animal documentaries. They've put so much of their backlog on. So, yeah, it's obviously there's some things that aren't on there, like Song of the Self. Oh, oh no! I wonder why. <laughs> that does surprise me. Wow! I, I I have a copy of that film. It's amazing. I do too. <laughs> on tape. Yep, and mine's yeah. on tape too. <laughs> I think the. I mean, I've I've signed up for the year for Disney Plus, and I think the thing that appeals to me more at the moment is some of the archive stuff. Uh, for me, it is the '90s TV shows for kids. Yes. So things like Chippendale, things like Darkwing Duck, Gargoyles, Doug, and stuff like that. Being able to see that again has been really cool. But also I think one of the things that I kind of do like is some of the, the natural geographic stuff they've got lined mm. in. Um, because also Natural Geographic is also apparently owned by Disney. Who knew? Um, but the the thing I think I've been watching at the moment is The World According to Jeff Goldblum. Which, I need to start which, that. Which comes across as very weird, but it's actually still quite engaging. I've only watched one episode, and it's when uh, Jeff Goldblum's kind of learning about the sneaker industry and how sneakers are selling for ridiculous amounts of money at sneaker conventions and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's if you if you like Jeff Goldblum's sort of r- random charm, you will have a ball with this one. I think you know, some other things come up like tattoos and ice cream and stuff like that. So that's gonna be oh, that's fun. That's gonna be quite interesting. But no, I think. I think for I think for the mainstream fans, yeah, absolutely. You got Star Wars, Marvel, pretty much every Pixar stuff is on there. I think the original content is probably going to be the thing that defines Disney Plus. I mean, I've watched yeah. the first episode of the Mandalorian at long last. I like it. I would like to watch more yep. of it. But I, think... I am really perplexed by the Mandalorian because they're releasing it weekly. Okay. They're also doing that with Imagineering Story now, and Imagineering Imaginary Story, as far as I'm aware, is new. Mandalorian confuses me because this discussion has happened repeatedly and the TV shows accepted, like the TV stations, Sky, BBC, wherever, they accepted the fact that these split continent, split Atlantic releases do not work for the studios. Okay, so The Mandalorian has already been a huge smash over in the States. We have had all, we have had all the memes doing the round. People are, are hyped up. They are ready to go for it. They're going to watch two episodes of it and then go, but I want to watch the rest now. It's going to be pirated to buggery because of it. Why are they repeating the mistakes of the past? I do not get that. They should have just done the sensible thing 
and bumped it all down on the table. It could be a licensing thing. It could. I think there are other things as well that. Basically, this is Disney. They write this, the bloody licenses. This I is mean, Disney. Dis- Disney's nothing if not formulaic. Disney but, owns the whole of that stuff. But the fact yeah. of the matter is, I, I think from Disney's point of view, yes, it's a, it is a silly thing to do, but I think for them, considering they've just launched the service in the UK, um, they're gonna and they're already offering seven day trials. They want it would be silly to put the whole show on there. Everyone signs to the seven day trial. Everyone watches the Mandalorian, and then everyone doesn't follow through. Um, yeah, but those people—I—I'm telling you—a large chunk of those people who would do that anyway. As I said, this this happened with Battlestar. This, this all the way back with Battlestar Galactica. This Game of Thrones worked this out after about season four, I think it was. Yeah. Um. So many major global shows, of which Mandalorian is, mm. have worked this out. I do not deny the fact that this is going to shit money like a like like a greased golden goose, but what the hell? It's just going to get pirated. They're missing it. Mando is not going to hit. It's as hard as they thought. I think to be honest, it's only going to happen for the first season because the second season they should be day and date with the US by then. If they don't, then there's they're just going to be, be feeding. I, I think that will be a problem if they seriously do not do it at the same time. The fact they're doing it now just makes me go, what the hell. Uh, that's me i mean you're assuming that the people who would pirate it haven't already done so like it's out in the states it's been out for like six months (laughs) but the thing is those people are not on disney's like yeah no they they're not going to sign up for the service even if we release the mandalorian all at once because they've already got it yeah i think this is for the people i think that want to have the good quality you know it's like why, why people like watch stuff on netflix and HBO and Amazon still. It's like, yeah, you can pirate all this stuff, uh, but uh, the quality's normally crap. There's normally like some weird Spanish thing going on in the corner. No. Like, you know, I'm not going to sign up for Disney Plus personally, just because it hasn't got enough on it that I can don't already A, own on DVD or B, haven't already seen. I I think there's I agree with you that people that that would pirate it first day would pirate it first day. Not gonna not gonna say otherwise. I just think there's a sufficient chunk of people who were waiting for it to come out in the UK so they could just sign up, watch it. That are now then gonna gonna go. Well, I've watched one and two. I really like it. Can I be bothered to wait? Mm, no, fuck it. Let's go with it. So I, I I just I think they've missed a trick. I really do. Also, to a point, if Disney are self, if they're using the profits in Disney Plus to uh, fund their original productions, they kind of need people to actually do the buy the service and watch Mandalorian through there. If they're doing it for other means, then yeah, they might yeah they might get really good. They might get people saying, "Oh yeah, it's amazing." But if they haven't paid for it and no one's really kind of paid for it to watch it, then what's the point of Disney spending the money to go do it? That's that's the thing. I mean, I I'm. I'm not going to sign up, but that's because the main pulls on it are the MCU, which I go and see in the cinema. They do um, have the MCM TV shows coming up soon. Yeah, Obviously yeah, but the MCM down. TV shows that Marvel have done have all been shit. But um, that that was Marvel. That was a diff. I think that was under a different production company. This is actually Marvel Studios doing the TV shows now. So and Agent Carter was awesome as well, which is also on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. 
Yes, it is. But yeah, you've got all the upcoming TV shows that they're trying to do, like Falcon and Winter Soldier, One Division, stuff like that. This is with people who play Loki, the people who play the characters in the cinema releases. This is being produced by the same studio that did the cinema releases. So there may be some added value coming up there. I think there needs to be more original content from Disney to obviously make it really worthwhile for people who already haven't owned it before. But I think I think for those who haven't seen some of the early stuff or, or basically if they just want an easy access to some of Disney's greatest hits, it's for five ninety nine a month. Is it an introductory or is that ongoing? They did have an introductory where if you signed up before it launched, you could get a year package that made it cost about four quid a month. But the well, five ninety nine the five ninety nine, is that an introductory or set? Because that is apart set. from that is Okay. Set. So that it, makes that makes it a bit more tempting because I'm already I've already got two services, three if you count just what I get on my cable. Yeah. It's part of it with me is I don't have any more time left. That is the, also, so yeah. Also I, I I mean, of the four of us here, one of us is their target market and that's yeah. Jenna and oh, and a little sproglet. Like this is the thing with like Disney Plus, like it's not aimed at me. There is stuff on there that I would like to watch and probably will at some point, but it's not aimed at the older single or even in relationship, you know, people without kids. This is so, this is Disney going, hmm, streaming services, what is the one floor parents say they have? Oh, my kid can watch anything. Yes, Netflix has a child version. I'm not sure about Amazon Prime parental controls. God really. no. Amazon Prime is shit. But no. this is like you can sit little little Evie in front of the TV with the controller, and she can watch Disney Plus. And there's pretty much nothing on there that you'd be concerned about. They do also have a kids profile as well, mm-hmm. so it means that it's even more locked down. Just looking at some of the comments in the peanut gallery, um, Reese says he currently likes. Um, the Mandalorian, he also is a bit, he's generally irritated that they are slow rolling it. Um, and so many great projects fall to piracy, and it's such a pity. Um, and also, Cross Eyed Game has come through and said she's actually tempted to try Disney Plus now because it's got gargoyles on it. Um, and yeah. So... And she calls Jenna out by going, Have you got the reluctant dragon? Yes. Wow. Okay. Disney <laughs> 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 fight. I had a copy of that, but my mother threw it away. <gasps> like... One one thing I would say on the subject of target market, I think it's got a bit more muddied because they've got all the Marvel stuff on there. Mm. Mm. That... But the Marvel stuff is still you can sh- you can let your kids watch that. No, like, you can't. Just... No, no. I mean, I, I like as I say, I don't have children, but like I, I look at the Marvel stuff and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty tame. I watched more stuff as a kid. I let Evie watch that sort of stuff until she's about 10 because of the violence. I'm also saying that it's attractive, you know, it is attractive to people who are older. It, it, that's quite a definite um, um, audience there. I think an extra possi- a possible ace in the hole for Disney Plus is obviously last year they bought Fox and a lot of their content. Some of that's already on Disney Plus like mm-hmm. The Simpsons, but a lot of their non Disney movies are still they technically now have them to write so basically things like alien and stuff like that so it might not necessarily happen out the gate i suppose but i wouldn't be surprised later on if they launch another arm of disney plus and say hey this is the 20th century movies edition because they don't call it 20th century fox anymore 
Um, they do already have the non MCU Marvel films on they there. They do. They have. They do. They have the original X Men stuff on there. Yes. Um, and is Fan Four Stick on there? No, because I think that's Sony. No, they no. They have oh. um, Rise of the Silver Surfer, but they don't have the very first Fantastic Four one with Chris Evans. Okay. Some people are going to have such a rude awakening how, as to how bad those early movies were. Also, have you seen X Men recently? Yeah. Oh. Oh my! Why? What? I'm just why did I see that? I was I'm, so. Oh god! I'm just waiting for the child to be concerned that Captain America is on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why is Captain America on fire? Why? Where's the I'm shield? Looking, I'm looking forward to them seeing the original Captain America movies. They are going to. That, trust me, I've seen some of the original Cap. I've seen all the original Captain Americas. I'm sorry, but. They are appalling. I the one would... where he steals cars. Oh, there's the one where he steals cars. The one where he's up against the one where he's up against the bloody uh, Red Skull, and it it's like really bad. It it, it it's like really bad WWF, <laughs> just with Nazi uniforms. Which oh, oh I was, was just thinking yeah, they need. They I need... was thinking it's a bad rom com because let's be they honest, there's such a, a like subset. Oh, so much tension. They just need Japanese Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, the there's, there's, of hell. There's, there's a lot of it, my, my, my hope is be... the new generation will watch the original X-Men movies and go why did Hugh Jackman get a career out of this yeah it's like I don't know but we gave him one and this is this is Lane Page definitely doing it for the money <laughs> Um, she got paid an awful lot of money from that and then was able to go and do all the ending films she wanted yay so it that's why a lot the of them do it yeah, like... yeah. Mon- money makes people say yes. Uh, it's <laughs> it will work. It will shit money. I'm worried what it'll do to Netflix, but then again, I'm worried what Netflix is doing to itself. Um, but for a lot of people, it's going to give them an awful lot of joy. So for them, yeah, great. That's awesome. I'm very happy. It's uh, manic. Anyway, final words from the Great Wise Peanut Gallery. Uh, cross-eyed gamer. I was wasn't a call out. I was generally asking. Millicent Patrick is in it. Yes, great. Uh, Reese, I've never seen Gargoyles. Oh. I'll give it a whirl. Oh yeah, Gargoyles is, is you fantastic. Have to, if you have to watch Gargoyles. Uh, just yeah. like, do it now. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Uh, the red brown one. Uh, there was one with Christopher Lee. Yes, there was, and that was just so. Oh. What X Men film had Christopher Lee? Thing- Baby uh, Pat had no. the duck on there. What? Baby oh, Pat had the duck. God, no! Oh. Anyway, no. moving anyway. along from that amazing example of zoophilia. Um, oh, no, no, no. Oh, I think we've broken her. Anyway. Oh, and on that bombshell. On that bombshell, that was the big stomp for March here on Bunkzilla. My thanks to Lizzie. Bye. And Jenna. Yay! Hi. And Ian. Hello, bye-bye. And to Alistair, Anwen Moonshine, uh, Mark Quinn, Molly, 
Uh, no, you're actually one of the presenters. Sarah Strange, Reese, Shelley UK, and Cal Deer. Uh, if you like the show, please tell your friends. If you want to be in the peanut gallery, then simply look out for the next invite and join us up on here. It's going to be on the Facebook. And if you've got a topic for us to discuss, let us know by joining the Bunkers of the Stomping Grounds on Facebook. So from everyone here in the bunker, good night. Bye. Practice social distancing. Enjoy the show. Discover more Bunkazilla originals at bunkazilla.co.uk. Mm.